I appreciated that in our singing, and in particular this uh, one song, the closing one was sung, give me vision to see the things like you do, to see things like you do, things like you do. There's so many things that we see, but it's not necessarily the way that God sees them. He has an intended outcome. There's a purpose in all things that he's allowed. The purpose is that many of us through this year, which we would say, wow, what a year, have been not by mistake, but by allowance and in the sovereign act of God to prove evidentially and providentially that he's in charge. Many of us find ourselves, which we ought not, but we do surprised by what happened to us. How could this be? And yet God would say, it be because I am. He doesn't go, if you would, into a fit of wondering what in the world happened to his world because he is the creator of the world. But in last year's teaching, which was a New Year's message, wise men have 2020 vision. There was nothing wrong with that title, nor is there anything inaccurate with it at all. All you have to do is ask Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were the wisest of all men within an area of placement and in time, unlike anything that they had ever presumed would be forced upon them. They went into a banishment by the nation that had rebelled against God. These four young men were brought into captivity with them to be the voice of reason and of hope and to be ambassadors of the word of God and the will of God. Seventy years. They would never see their homeland again. What's the correlation? Well, I'm not necessarily trying to make one with our nation except this. We still need to be wise in this new year that is upon us, but we can do it according to the word of God. It's not even a very long message, unless I choose to make it really long. It's very simple in its principle. And I didn't have to sweat it out trying to think, what is it that we are to have a focus on? It's just that the word of God might be fresh for us. So in 12, you know where that's going, but let me anchor it as well in a passage that may be kind of fresh for you, or at least a revisit. And so if I had to put a title on it, it would be The New Year, The Old Way. The New Year, The Old Way. Everybody is trying to contemporize life, to make it edgier, to make it more fashionable to do something that just creates a motivational force to keep us going through one more month, or something that garnishes even a false pretense of how things ought to be. Changes are happening and you're going, why? Because there are people that imposing that change are not behaving as wise men, as wise women, but they've got power and authority to make presumption on what God does not want done. You've probably heard the latest. We're moving into 
a congressional change in which gender neutrality is being exalted and the pronouns which are totally appropriate, which identify both men and women, are being demoted or demeaned or irrelevant. Why? Why would we do that? So we need wisdom and we need people who are being foolish to no longer occupy places that are highly anointed. Governance is so important. And the ultimate governor is God. Not those whom we necessarily put in place. Praise God if they do love the Lord. But God is the one who wants to govern our life. And so in this passage, I anchor what we are going to be talking about in Proverbs 22 at verse 28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. It basically means don't try to change things for no reason other than change. Stay the course. Honor those who have preceded you in faith, in spirituality, in constitutionality. Honor them. If you have something that with very little dispute and argument has worked, so remarkably well, such as how this country has functioned, don't change it. Don't presume to be messing with Israel over all of these years because you want to make everybody around Israel happy. In chapter 12, there's a promise it's the Abrahamic Covenant. And by the way, that's what the Middle Eastern pacts have been called right now, this peace that has been prevailing. It's basically called the Abrahamic Accord, if you didn't keep an eye on that. And it means that remarkably, Middle Eastern countries are rallying, choosing to be near Israel, on Israel's side, because they see that their greater opponent, Iran and Iraq, are notorious in what they don't want, and that's Israel to survive. I bring that out because the church is not to forget Israel. Why? Because for a new year, we must return to the old ways. Chapter 12, though, tells us about a man who had nothing conferred upon him by any institution that we know of. No power. There was authority. This man is known to us as the forefather of faith. And he had some decisions that he had to make, unlike where he had been previously positioned. The reason that that's important is that when we look back into the Old Testament and when we see the lives of individuals who have been effectually used by God. It means they came from a place where they were once comfortable and entered into a journey in which it would be great discomfort. 
and a new way to walk and a new way to assess things that had to be reoriented in order for them to have a perspective of God in the way that God wanted them to see him. Every man, every woman presented in the scriptures had to learn how to see God as God wanted his revelation to them to be seen and explained. And so it required for all of them to change. In particular, this was that change that was required of Abraham. The thing that makes Abraham extraordinary, in my opinion, is his age. He wasn't a young guy. And the reason that I like that is because now I'm an older guy. So what does it mean? It means God's not through with me yet. I had certain things that I was dialing in, anticipating, counting off the years, presumably. It's natural. We try to plan for our future and we say, well, here's my future, but ultimately it's eternity. But in the tenure that remains, this is what I want to do. This is what I think ought to be in order. And all of a sudden, an event happens and we go, there's a change that's required of me now. And that sounds a little bit difficult with what I know about myself. I'm older. And God says, you're not old enough yet. You're not old enough yet. And you may feel like you're pretty big for your britches, but I can take that down a notch too. And these are the things that I've been learning in assessing where we've come from in this past year and where presently I am in this new year. I'm happy that horns can be honked and celebrations can happen in whatever place a person may be in anticipating good change for the new year. But I'm also able to say, according to scriptures, we're never too old and youth does not disqualify us either. We need to be ready. Wise men have 20-20 vision and it's irregardless of how difficult the year has been or how many more challenges await us. Wise men have 20-20 vision and will use that to say the optimum vision necessary to be able to have a focus on God in a way that truly is a spiritual opening up of the eyes. We need to do that. How do we start? Just like Proverbs said, don't be removing the ancient boundaries that were put in place by your fathers. Those who were given an insight, those who had studied the calamities of civilizations and governments before them, those who said, we've got to do something remarkably different. And one of the things that we know made the difference and the government that was forged is that it literally was from the heart of the majority of those politicians, those early diplomats, those statesmen, is that they realized they could not form a country without God. And it had to be a country that would serve God. And if they would not serve God, then they understood by the histories of governments preceding them that it would fall and it would be scattered. So we're a young country. How in our youth could we be making such a contrary decision against the heart 
of those who forged a government as one nation under God. Abraham in chapter 12 is introduced to us as a son. Just a few verses above that in chapter 11, we're told that he had brothers, he had a father. We're told that he had a wife, as did his brothers. One brother passed away, and he inherited the son of that brother, Lot, becoming a part of his tribal community. He had some things going on in his life at an age that we would say, whoo What we find out is that he's approximately about 75 in chapter 12, but that when he seems to have been clued in on the voice of God and desiring to have a different expression of his life in following with faith God and what we are told pleasing God in believing God, then we can see it's not too late for any of us to take the next step. That like Abraham, is a bit out of the unexpected, creates a little bit of tension, causes us to draw our breath and say, can I do it? Is it within me? This looks like an impossibility. This looks like something that will take the best that I have remaining and the little time that I have left and drain me. Life expectancies were long as we look back on them, but they had no guarantee of their life at all. Times were tough. We only understand age relativity to what we would say the birth rate is and ultimately mortality the death rate is because we study it. The scriptures have told it through David, 70 years you have, 80 of due by strength. But these guys live their life as well, not concerned about per se the end, but ultimately what we find here, the meaning of it. We have become a culture that is concerned about the end of our life, as opposed to what the Lord would tell us we need to be rejoicing in. And that is the continuance of our life in eternity and with him. It's not over. It's not over. As I'm standing here, there's another pastor that shares a hospital bed in another place down in California, a pastor that I've been invited with him and their church to teach at. Well, he got pneumonia. And so he was in a hospital. And in his time in the hospital, I saw him with a gadget. It's the same thing that Zachary needs to use to give his lungs strength. This particular pastor has a severe case of pneumonia after having been delivered from a severe case of cancer after having a battle with diabetes and still has that. And there he is in this bed using the same piece of equipment that I was using with my son, Zachary, who has the need to get his lungs working really hard. And so I link these two guys together and this pastor from his bed and doing a really cute, awesome, inspiring video says, man, Zach is just crushing that. These guys encouraging one another in their affliction because a change had happened in their life that they're acknowledging God has allowed. 
This change that I introduce us to again in chapter 12 is simply this. You're not going to be where you once were because you're now into faith and that takes you where no man has ever been. So you can look at it as a place right now or you can look at it as in the unknown with eyes of faith that have 20-20 vision. We really are not to be in the same place in our faith. And when we are, when we're not stretched, when all of a sudden things don't come to us as a surprise or break us beyond what we feel we deserve, there's a risk that we will never become everything that God intended. It hurts. I'm not saying Abraham was hurt in this circumstance, but I'm also not fully aware of the challenge it would have been to hear the voice of God and change. Do you hear the voice of God? Are you willing to change your ideas about what God wants? And at the same time, will it be a change that he wants, not a change that you want? That's important. The Lord had said to Abraham, notice verse 1 of chapter 12, had said, it's a past tense. It doesn't say the Lord said, it said had said, meaning that he was aware of the voice of God, had time to ponder the mysterious work of God introducing himself to him personally as one who was not a spiritual man, Abraham was a pagan. Abraham was in a pagan community. And there, by the grace of God, God communicated to his heart, and it said very clearly in past tense, had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So it all seems very succinct, but it also seems something that he hadn't satisfied nor fulfilled. This actually was the word that he heard. And what we know is that somehow, some way, in the verses preceding chapter 12, his father got involved and took the clan. And one of the things that I know is this. In our spiritual life, there will be the tentacles of secular persuasion upon each and every one of us. It says, not so fast and don't go without me and let's talk about this. Well, if you're going to go, being spiritual, let me tag along with you. Let me just have a little more influence in your life. When you go back and see how this unfolds, Abraham had heard what God wanted him to do to bring him to a place different than where he was at. And so one of the challenges for us as a nation, one of the challenges for us as individuals and as a church, are we willing to say no one else can tag along that has not the heart of God nor my heart to follow God? There's always that reconciliation that takes place I cannot travel unless I be agreed in spirit with the one I'm traveling with.
because I'm following the God who has given me this command. And it can be a real hardship because we are prone to want to tote people along that really do not have the objective of God for change. They just want to hang on to you a little bit longer. So 2021 has great promise if God is speaking to individuals that are willing to say, I've had enough of the influence of the secular over the sovereignty of God to make me highly spiritual in a time in which everything seems to be falling apart. The principles of entropy aren't simply playing out in my home, they're playing out in my vocation, they're playing out in the interest that I have as a patriot in this country. Everything's flying seemingly at light speed away from what is decent and right and moral and normal. And so God's calling people, I believe, in particular the church. Hold fast. Don't change the ancient boundary. Don't allow yourself to believe that you're irrelevant, non-essential. You have a voice. There's a time to come to church and you behave then as a dove, but there's a time when you leave this church and you're to behave as a lion. And if there's language that needs to be voiced that is the heart of God to people that are hard of hearing and they have no heart to honor God, you can voice that. We know that you can voice it through the vote. The question is, is the vote truly the voice of the people of God? We're in very interesting times right now. And that's why God doesn't care about politics that's not his point. He cares about doctrine, and doctrine is truth. Doctrine, biblically, is what God's heart has been revealed on paper that we read and we say, this is his word on everything. And what I don't understand, I will pray through. What I still lack understanding in, I will continue to seek his way and his will according to truth. And I'm not allowing public opinion or political persuasion to change me from what this Bible says, period. That's how you move from 2020 to 2021. You say, interesting year it was, but I'm still in belief that God makes the things that I do not understand about this new year no less interesting, no less challenging, but no less His will, that I give it everything that I've got, no matter how much is being taken from me, no matter how I didn't expect it to go this way, I'm going to give it one more day, one more footstep. I'm going to give it one more promise, and I'll hold on to it. Abraham didn't quite get it, but then he did get it. How did he finally get it? His father eventually passed from being influential in his life. The same is true about those who, in wanting to make a difference for the Lord and wanting to have a difference in their life, wreak spirituality, they ultimately will come to that place where that influence no longer is there. Just no longer there. Thank you.
time for water. By the way, just to deviate a little bit, isn't that remarkable that if a bottle falls and it lands, isn't that something like, it's a miracle. So the Lord did that triumphantly, but thank you for sharing that. Um, let's take a look at some points here that are being made. Out of your country. To get out of your country, and that might be, if I can, take the privilege just bringing you back to where is it that you're at right now? You know, some people are in their own little country, compartmentalizing their world, tailoring it to their needs and interests. Where's your country? Well, we do have a political country, United States, but there's also this place deep inside us that we say, that's my happy place. This is where I want to be. This is where I'm at. This is my state of mind. What if we said that? What is your state of mind? What is, your what is it that you would say God has said, I want you to leave that state of mind, that happy place. I want you to come to Calvary, my place. What does it mean? How does it translate? I have enough years behind me where I can say I've been there. And I have enough years behind me where I can say I've recycled there. So I'm not saying that by any means, God doesn't have me revisit that in 21, and in particular because of Zachary's position that has changed. And by the way, we and any of us right now who have been praying for the afflicted and who are afflicted, we thank you, even as I know Dennis and Susie would thank you, and anybody else out there would thank you for that. But change is meant to happen, whether it's by our permission or not. How are you going to deal with your state of mind? You have to leave it behind if it's in conflict to the thing that God wants to do in your life. Because here's what awaits any of us, anxiety and depression. And who's got time for that? Well, anybody that wants to remain in your state of mind, your woes, your problems. What I've figured out is that every single person here in this congregation has a challenge and a problem. And you can make it big or you can give it to God who's bigger than that and become better in it. I do not know how many flights I will take uh, to be with Zachary or Christy, and attend a church, but I'll do what God requires on both ends of those responsibilities. Because that's where faith is tested, it is where it is rewarded, is when we leave it to God, even being willing to leave and entrust things that for us require that absolute conviction that God's got it under control. This is what Abraham was asked to do. Leave it behind. Leave it behind. The thing that has been holding you, leave it behind. Follow me. The guarantee is that in the following of doing that and his family, remember it was a secular family, 
Abraham was being made with his wife Sarah into a spiritual family. They had the tentacles of secular family leave it behind. If they're not with you, they ought not come with you. If they are with you, then I will tend them just as I'm tending you. And this idea of the Father's house, well, we call the house of the Lord the Father's house. And there's a distinction between what this house represents and what very often is the house by which we were raised. Everybody eventually gets that nudge. Everyone eventually feels that God wants to have us at his perfect disposal get out of that place, remove yourself from that influence, follow me, because the guarantee to Abraham was simply this, a land that I will show you. It's not a land that you'll have to throw darts at on a map that's cleverly pasted to your wall. It's the fact that the Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life, will show you what his will is for you. Many of the navigations that have happened within the church, and in particular this one, has been because men and women as families have said, this is what God has shown me. I'm here because I've been shown the way to this place. Some may say, well, it has to do with you. No, it doesn't. I'm only a part of it. You're a part of it. But we as a church are a part of even something greater and bigger than even our involvement here. And God wants us to know that that's so important to stay focused on. One man had no qualifications to be visited by God, as many of us can say at one time we were too, but there he showed up for us and nudged us, challenged us in our thinking, our state of mind, our reason for being where we were at and calling us to enter into the discomfort zone as opposed to remaining in the comfort zone of life. I will make you, he says, a great nation and I will bless you. He didn't hear that before the other. Remember, the other took sacrifice and trust. This is what ultimately comes as the phrase that may have even been spoken weeks afterwards in which because Abraham agreed to this, he was found righteous before the eyes of God and he hears what ultimately the plans are for him. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be a great man of God. A great nation will come from you. And in fact, we know that to be true. Wise men have 2020 vision. Do you know that 2020 vision is not simply looking forward to what is on the wall, to how that optometrist is evaluating what it is you see and how well you can see it, how small you can read it? But it's also having the wisdom to look back and evaluate the course that you've been on. Have you ever been through a review of your life, the course that you've walked? Would you make changes? I know I would. The question is, would I make the changes that God wanted or would I make the changes that were simply inconvenient and hard? You know probably what I would lean towards. 
I would make changes in the course of my life for those things that were hard and inconvenient because that's what we do as human beings. I'm saying that's my tendency. What I have to do is I look back with the eyes of God and I have to come into agreement. This is that which happened because at a particular time I evaded the word or I ran with the word or I altogether was disobedient to the word. And I look back and I say, never again. I look back and I say, one more time. If it was for God, I say, one more time. If I look back and say, it's of consequence, it was contrary to the way of the Lord, I say, never again. And so for this generation, we need to be able to assess as Abraham was able to This decision to start off with God was right. Hard, but right. And God's blessed me. Remember at 75, he still has yet to inherit a promise that's downline from that age. It'll be 100 in which the satisfaction of both the heart of Sarah and himself will be realized in a promise to conceive and to have a child, which is Isaac. The son that would make him laugh and Sarah laugh. What if for you, you're at that point where you say, too old to wait any longer? And God says, why would you throw away your future and your testimony because of impatience right now? Hang with me longer. Let go of things quicker. Step out one more time. Why? That you would be a blessing. I honestly believe, as I've talked with Zach, that if he could change November 20th, he wouldn't. I would. He wouldn't. He would prevail in his conviction that that was the sovereign hand of God. Can't dispute it. But inside, I battled with resentment. Why? Because change happened without my authority. But God's sovereign, and what I see in Zach, and I'm only lightly trying to bring this into perspective as a very big spiritual man. He's a son, he's a boy. He's actually a young man at 18. But there's so many things that God has allowed in what I believe is an Abraham experience in his life to touch my life. I know what it's like to take care of kids. I did that for a solid 11 years, intermittent 11 years down in the mission, took care of kids just like him. But God's got a plan for him that is a 2021 plan. And God didn't ask me my opinion. He just asked me if I would follow him on it. Whatever there is right now, in our lives that we face, bigger than anything we ever have faced, different than what we have plans on the short term or long term. We want to be a people that says, I'm going to remain faithful as he is faithful, and I'm not going to try and remove an ancient boundary of God's sovereignty and ultimately of his perfecting work
in my life. That's what I want to do. That's what I know is best to be done. Though I don't understand everything, I do believe that I understand God enough to say he gets my vote of faith one more time. How would you like to vote for God just one more time? Just stuff it in that ballot box and say, deal with it, world. I'm voting for God. Right? Tell God you're voting for him. We're his elect. How about electing God one more time? How about telling the world and our nation, we need to elect God again? Because revival could break out. If not, things are breaking apart. But we know that there's a determined outcome, and that's to take the church up and to ultimately the consummation of the ages in which all things brought under judgment. Those to a life eternal and with rewards, and those who have rejected the Lord, ultimately to demise which they have permitted. God's not going to get the blame for that. 2021, we have to have hope, right? Ben Corson coming in here, Hope Generation, love his story, love his teachings. I love his life. And he's seen a lot in his young life. Zach, so don't even, I didn't even come up with the name. I don't know who came up with the name. But I know that when you look at it, it's not just Zach's vain hope. It's Zach's hope is Jesus. So Jesus gets to have him. And probably for a season that could be long and surprising, I get to be a part of that, as my family does. But for 2021... What if momentarily the Lord says, I want to free you from your wheelchair. I want to free you to go and to be and to do. Would you have the faith to be able to say, all right, I'll do it. And I'll walk away from my paralysis of what I've wanted to do in my country, in my state of mind. I'm going to walk away from it to be everything that at one time, on one given date, a young 18-year-old says, glorify yourself. And the Lord did within minutes. 2021 is a hopeful year for us, but we are to be a church that prays. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for also patience in the communication process can't keep up on everything, but I think in terms of what we do know, God's keeping way ahead of us on everything. So to let you know, your encouragement to others that I don't even know of is important. Thank you for participating in that. And continue to make the church not irrelevant because government has says we are Make it relevant by being where it is you need to be, on your knees, looking up, worshiping, investing, exercising your spiritual giftings.